Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? Well, DraftKings has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. The line right now is at San Francisco minus 1.5, but you can bet all sorts of things on the game, even the coin toss, although big shock, it's going to be 50-50 odds there. My brothers and I always place a bunch of bets on the Super Bowl every year. I'm not actually sure what I'm going to do yet, but I'm excited. It should be a great game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code HOOPS, that's H-O-O-P-S. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets, only on DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code HOOPS. Again, that's H-O-O-P-S. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope all of you guys had a great week. Got a fun show for you guys today. We have Yoban Buha from The Athletic, covers the Lakers. Been traveling around with the team. Those of you guys who've been listening to our show, you guys know Yoban well. He's been on, gosh, like almost probably like seven or eight times already this season. But I could think of nobody better to dive into the developments of the last 24, 48 hours of the Los Angeles Lakers, making no moves at the trade deadline despite some pretty significant roster needs. Punt is a strong word, but it, uh, in a lot of ways, the Lakers were basically telling us they did not believe in this particular group and their ability to accomplish much within 
this postseason or this postseason. But there's also, as I've said a couple times over the last couple of days, there's always a little bit of a tricky element to talking about the trade deadline for any team because we never really know what was available. We never really know um, uh, what options were on the table. Even when you hear from front offices, there's a certain rose-colored glasses perspective you're always going to get. So what I'd like for Jovan, uh, for you to start us with today, I was reading an article from you this morning that gave a really good breakdown of everything that went down with the Lakeovers the last couple of days. Can you just kind of give us a quick synopsis of why the Lakers did nothing, what the last couple of days were like, and what their plan is in the in the big picture here? Yeah. So first off, I would say I I agree with you with everything you just said. I was very surprised by the Lakers not making a move. Um, I, I thought they'd at least do something, uh, even a small move like trading Christian Wood or Jackson Hayes, just to duck under the luxury tax. Uh, they're about one point two million above that. Um, so I, I was surprised that nothing happened. Uh, but from what I've been told, from what Rob Palenka said uh, yesterday in his press conference. With the media before the Lakers lost to Denver, uh, the Lakers were canvassing the market and, and the league for uh, you know, several weeks now. Uh, Rob said that he fielded hundreds of calls and, and different offers, uh, but nothing to them rose to the level of this is going to take us from a middling 500 team to a bona fide contender. And that was the type of move they were looking to make. Uh, they felt the DeJounte Murray trade had that type of potential, uh, but ultimately that fell through when Atlanta insisted on Austin Reeves being in that deal. And that was a, a theme in talks with not only the Lakers, but in, in talking to other sources around the league. The Lakers' biggest issue was that they really only had two coveted assets, Austin Reeves and that 2029 first-round pick. Max Christie had some value, but just because of his salary, he wasn't really going to be the centerpiece of any deal. So in talks with other teams, it always devolved into give us the, the 2029 first-round pick, give us Austin Reeves. And there were only a few players the Lakers were interested in giving up that pick for, and no players that the Lakers were interested in giving up Austin Reeves for. So ultimately, you know, they, they could put D'Lo on the table, they could put JHS, they, they could put the pick, they could put, you know, swaps, whatever. But it it just ultimately came down to teams wanted those two assets and the Lakers weren't willing to give them up. Uh, so the DeJounte move fell through. Uh, and, and then from the Lakers perspective, you know, they, they felt that the actions of the deadline kind of showed how high some of these prices were where, DeJounte doesn't get traded. Bruce Brown doesn't get traded. Dorian Finney-Smith doesn't get traded. Alex Caruso doesn't get traded. Tyus Jones, Andre Drummond, like all of their top targets didn't move at the deadline. And those are all guys that they had interest in to varying degrees. But you, you, in, in seeing none of those guys getting traded, it just kind of showed how high the prices were where all those guys, you know, at least one first round pick and in some cases two, and the Lakers just weren't going to do that. Um, and, and again, in some of those cases, they would have had to give up Austin Reeves. So for them, they, they felt that standing pat and trying to be aggressive in the buyout market, potentially adding a, a Spencer Dinwiddie or a Kyle Lowry, and then looking at this summer where they could have three first round picks starting on draft night, uh, they're 2024, 25, uh, 2029 and 2031 all to trade and package together for a potential third star, uh, that to them was more attractive. Now, of course, we know LeBron's been putting pressure on them. Uh, I don't think he's 
uh, in love with the idea of standing pat and, and not improving the roster. So we'll see how this all shakes out over the next few months. I know we're going to get into some of that, but um, it, you know, to my knowledge, they were never close on a deal on Thursday. The closest they ever got was the DeJounte deal, and that was about three weeks ago. So from that point, they never really got close on another deal. The The thing that's tricky with me is... Because I heard a lot of Lakers fans saying, like, you really think a guy like Royce O'Neal moves the needle that much? And I understand when you look at the record, like this is 27 and 26 team, you know, uh, I understand that it might feel like there's not really much worth investing there. The The tricky part for me is I really do think the Lakers are closer than their record would indicate. I think if you really dig into the performance this season, they started the season really well. I, I should say not really well, but pretty well. And then especially well there at the in-season tournament. And then as of late, they've been playing some pretty damn good basketball. I mean, even last night, up until they ran into some issues late, which we'll talk about, they've been playing pretty damn good basketball. They won, what, 10 of their previous 16 games? There was a 3-10 and 10 stretch right after the in-season tournament. Uh, a big part of that was just a, a big-time relaxing from the entire roster. They promptly lost to a just decimated Dallas Mavericks team and then they barely beat the Spurs and then they lost to the Spurs you know they lost to the Grizzlies over that span they lost to a bad Nets team over that span like they they really uh did some damage to themselves just on the effort focus and energy front there in the middle of the season like do I think that the Lakers are a you know 35 and 15 team in reality no but I do think that they were closer than their record indicated. And then specifically, they had a very clear weakness in that athlete on the perimeter that can contend at the point of attack and provide a positive uh, offensive contribution. And so, again, like when I hear Laker fans say like, oh, this name is not going to change their fortunes. This name is not going to change their fortunes for a couple of second round picks or whatever. My counter to that would be like, okay, so... you're not comparing him to an average NBA player. It's like they've got Cam Reddish, who's on his fourth team in five years and is currently injured. Jared Vanderbilt, who, if like I know you're going to give us an update today, but very well could not be available the rest of the season. And Max Christie, who's 20 years old, and Gabe Vincent, who just had knee surgery. So it's it's not improving on a on a decent core. It's improving on a non-existent core. And so I'm surprised that they didn't just do something to try to provide a, a different option. Do you think that the Lakers could have gotten involved on something like a Royce O'Neal for a few second round picks? Or do you think they truly were priced out of the market in its entirety? Well, th- there's a couple of things there because one thing I reported, and, and this was another thing that you, you hear in, in talking to people, uh, the Lakers felt like there was a Lakers tax. And that if you look at the final prices, uh, again, some of the guys that they had interest in and and those guys just not getting traded. Uh, but then some of the deals w- that actually happened yesterday, you know, some of those players the Lakers had had interest in and the asking price in conversations with them versus what those players ultimately went for, uh, th- there was a gap there. And the Lakers felt like, um, you know, sometimes the, the negotiations weren't in good faith in, in terms of, you know, we're offering you two seconds for this, and and this guy goes for, uh, you know, one second. Or we're offering maybe the the same type of of pa- framework of of two seconds or whatever, and our seconds are better, and you're taking worse seconds, 
and and doing another deal. So um, I do think part of that was the Lakers didn't have really any expiring contracts, and that that's something that uh, kind of you know hamstrung them in terms of just you know, Delo has a player op. Like looking at their their really their tradable guys, um, Delo has a player option. Rui has two more years. Gabe has two more years coming off the knee surgery. Uh, Max is an impending restricted free agent. So you, you there uh, there were a lot of teams that had interest in Max. It's just you have to factor that in now of, of you potentially have to pay him uh, a certain amount uh th this summer but it would be a, a team controlled asset uh and then you know jhs has multiple years and like just on and on down the road really torian prince was the only guy above a minimum salary that was an expiring uh so i think from the lakers perspective they felt like there was uh, a bit of a lakers tax in, in negotiations and that they weren't getting the same types of of offers and opportunities that other teams were getting so that's part of it um but part two I, I do think they could have made a move like if if they offer Brooklyn the the 2029 first and let's just say lottery protected top 15 protected whatever uh, I think Brooklyn would have been foolish to not accept that for Royce O'Neal versus three second round picks so I, I think there were moves they probably could have made had they put that first on the table and you know, protected it in again lottery top 15 top 20 whatever it be um i, I think they could have gotten in, in some of the conversations for some of these players but i think the lakers counter would be kind of similar to what the fans are saying of does royce o'neill really elevate us enough um is that worth giving up th this first and you know, if you do lottery protect or, or top 15 protect the first you can trade that protected part later so that they still would be retaining that portion of the pick and, and still be able to move that, uh, but it would lose some of its value. Um, now, I, I'm, I think we're on the same page where looking at the, the current state of the roster, like Max just got injured, uh, Gabe's out, Vando's out, Cam's out. Uh, like you need perimeter defense. Like you're you're not gonna advance in the playoffs without at least a couple of, of credible perimeter defenders. And you know, some of those guys are, will be back, and, and those are shorter term things. But like them not addressing that to me. Um, that's where they say they're not punting on the season that they're saying they still believe in this group, but that to me is uh, a bit of negligence where it's like, if you don't address that and even looking at the buyout market, they're looking at another ball handler. They're looking at guards and it, you know, for, in my opinion, their three biggest needs right now are a high volume three point shooter, uh, you know, better wing and perimeter defense and, uh, you know, better interior defense aside from AD. Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't check any of those boxes. Kyle Lowry checks some of the shooting and defense, but he's about to be 38 and he's had several injury riddled seasons in a row. So even the guys they're looking at on the buyout market don't necessarily address their biggest needs. And I, I think that's kind of the issue here where sure, add Spencer Dinwiddie, add Kyle Lowry, like that'll improve the roster, especially if Gabe's still out, but you don't have perimeter defense. And we, we saw it in the New York game. I thought it was funny that they were talking about oh, our defense down the stretch and this and that. And like, yes, it, it was pretty good, but it got to the point where they couldn't guard Jalen Brunson in a half-court setting. So they had to start trapping him at half-court. And <laughs> it, you know, it, it, like, it, it worked because New York had several injuries. You know, Julius Randle, OG Ananobi, uh, Quentin Grimes was out. And you know, yeah, Josh Hart and, and Dante DiVincenzo trying to break guys off the dribble wasn't going to work. But against a more... Uh, potent offense you could not get away with that and, and i think you saw that in the denver game ultimately when denver turned it on uh, over the last few minutes of that game uh, ad talked about them going to their Peja action which they go to at, at the end of games like lakers just couldn't 
part of it was strategy defensively part of it was it was personnel but like they just couldn't contain them on the perimeter because they just didn't have the weapons defensively and Torian Prince on Jamal Murray just isn't getting it done yeah to like to to really zero in because I, I I agree with the strategy behind not giving up a first round pick for Royce O'Neal. I would have only given up a first round pick if it would have netted you Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith, which I'm not sure would have been possible. Uh, but again, like I, not finding something better than Cam Reddish to me is, is the issue like that, like not being able to just find something in that position group, because like when push comes to shove, regardless of what we talk about surrounding this deadline, we left the conference finals in late May. And in late May, we identified a clear and obvious flaw in the roster, which was they did not have a, you know, even like a well above average athlete on the perimeter that could contend on the point of attack, help in defensive rebound situations, and be a positive offensive player. Rob Palenka has had all summer and the uh, first two-thirds of the season to try to address that problem, and he failed to do so. And like that, to me, when you zoom out, is the issue. And so you go back into this playoff run thinking like, man, if, let's say, by some miracle, Vando comes back, and he gets back on the floor, and LeBron and AD stay healthy, you're basically last year's team without Dennis Schroeder. And, and, and last year's team was just not good enough. And I actually think Denver's a little bit better than they were last year. And so once again, like, like to me, the Lakers lost last night for a couple of specific reasons. And and I want some of this stuff is out of their control. Like Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura just had bad offensive nights, which makes it difficult to contend with the better teams in the league. But like, I thought two matchups defensively killed them. They didn't have anybody for Jamal Murray. And then Rui Hachimura was really struggling with Michael Porter Jr. office screens, particularly early in the game. And then he made a couple of, of key mistakes late. And like that to me is like if you actually have a, a, a legitimate five man grouping that has a perimeter defender at the two and the three, and you actually slot all of that stuff properly, I believe that you have enough in this locker room to make some noise. It's just a very clear and specific roster weakness that through two cycles here, the summer and the trade cycle this year, they failed to address. We can talk about picks. We could talk about Laker tax. We can talk about saving for next summer. We could talk about everything in the world. But that's the that's the sum of the result here. Like, we knew they had an issue in May. Here we are in February. They did not address it. And, and, and like, one of the things that I think we have to factor in here, too, is, like, you know, like I talked about this with the Warriors. Like Jonathan Kaminga's rise is an influx of talent. LeBron aging is the opposite effect. Like if you get this right, but he's forty and he can't play at the same level next year, that then you, whatever potential return you gained, you lost in that process. And so, like that to me is where it doesn't really truly add up to the ver the verbiage that we're hearing. If you believe in LeBron and Anthony Davis and their ability to win playoff series, then you've got to do what you did for them in 2020, which is give them those two-way athletes. And they've just failed to do so. And, and it's been frustrating. Uh, on the Spencer Dinwiddie front, like I, I think Spencer Dinwiddie's a super flawed player, a uh, really, really inconsistent, streaky shooter, a guy that really struggles with rim decisions and finishing at the rim. But... He's got good size and strength for the guard position, and I do think he's an above-average athlete. And so I think, like, 
even even with all of his flaws, I do think he could help the Lakers. And it's not like to me, there's not another guy in the buyout market. Like I don't think Thaddeus Young helps. He plays the same position as LeBron James and Rui Hachimura. I don't think Marcus Morris Sr. helps. He plays the same position as LeBron James and Rui Hachimura. So like to me, for the talent, for the money, I think Spencer Dinwoody still makes sense. And so let, uh, let's just put it this simple. How likely do you think that uh, are the Lakers to sign Spencer Dinwiddie over the Dallas Mavericks? Because I've heard those are the two teams that are in the running. Yeah, so th- those are the two teams. Um, it- it's tough to say. Uh, I put it around a 50-50 proposition. Like I-, I did think it was interesting. He was at Madison Square Garden last night sitting behind the Dallas bench. He obviously played for the Mavericks before, has some fam- familiarity with them. Um, so I don't know if that was him. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, applying the LeBron blueprint of of, of <laughs> applying some pressure uh, and, and maybe indicating to the Lakers, hey, if, if you don't... Because w- one advantage the Lakers have compared to most other teams on the buyout market is they can offer uh, a little bit more money because they didn't use their full mid-level exception to sign Gabe Vincent. So they have about an extra half million dollars that they can uh, offer prorated uh, to you know potential players on the buyout market. Uh, so what, when looking at what they could offer uh, Dinwiddie versus what Dallas could offer, um, they, they could offer him a little bit more money uh, now with state taxes and different things. Like maybe it's not that big of a gap, uh, but it, it is something that they feel like is an advantage on the buyout market in, in comparison to other teams. Um, the, the one kind of wild card in this is Philly. They, they ha- can outspend anybody uh, be, because they didn't use uh, they, they ducked under their tax at the deadline and they have a little bit more money to play with. But I think that's more of a Kyle Lowry destination than uh, than Spencer Dinwiddie. But um, I've heard from, uh, you know, Spencer is a L.A. native. Um, he, he's someone who reps Southern California and, and L.A. and, um, you know, is here in the summers. So I think the Lakers have a bit of a home court advantage in, in that regard. But um, I, I thought it was interesting uh, that he was at the game last night sitting with Dallas and uh, you know, he, he does have the connections over there. So I, I'd put it right now, maybe Lakers, the the slight favorites, but I, I wouldn't put it more at like more than like 55%, you know, 55, 45 split. Mm. So I, I think it's pretty close. Uh, but uh, I think LA with, with the, the money and him being an LA native, uh, and you're pretty much having a, a clear role for him of like, we don't really have a ball handling guard off the bench right now. You can come in and, and play mm-hmm. 20 to 25 minutes. Like he's not going to start in Dallas um, unless they're just going him, Luca and, and Kyrie, which doesn't really make sense in my opinion. So uh, I, I think mm-hmm. either way, like Lakers can probably offer him biggest role, most money, come back home to LA. Like that, that's pretty hard to turn down. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories 
from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops, that's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. Yeah, and again, I don't, I don't view him as like some sort of significant needle mover. I just think... Of all the buyout guys, he's the one guy who comes somewhat close to addressing a specific need, which is like actually getting kind of a big, strong athlete into the backcourt. Like, I, I mean, like, <laughs> I watched that replay of the Jamal Murray three last night because it's funny. I watched a lot of Lakers fans getting on Austin about the gamble. By the way, that was a stupid gamble. Like, it was stupid. Uh, Jokic made to pay for it. But to me, the game was already over pretty much on after LeBron missed the little bank shot and then Jamal Murray made the little floater in the lane. I thought the game was basically over. There was like a minute left and they were down five, you know. Um, but on the three, when it was 104 104, I watched the clip a few times. It's it's legit sad how overmatched Torian Prince was athletically there. Like, and what's crazy is Jamal's not exactly the fastest guard in the world either, you know? But like Jamal's running around these screening actions, and Torian Prince is just running for dear life, and he he looks stuck in the mud. Like he wasn't even like that was not like some of the shots that Jamal hit over the Celtics that in that game in Boston, that was, he came off free and clear and Torian wasn't even slightly bothering him. And so again, like having, having a, another athlete at that, at that guard position, I, I think would be, would be useful. Uh, do you think LeBron is frustrated? Is he outwardly frustrated or has it been quiet on the LeBron front? What are you hearing about LeBron and his kind of mood post deadline? Uh, he was a bit moody last night. Uh, his answers were short and it's tough to, to separate that from a close, another close loss to Denver. LA's lost seven straight games to Denver. Now, um, it's kind of becoming, you know, I was covering the the Clippers in the mid uh, 2010s and, uh, those match like once they beat the Warriors in in 2014 in in the first round, from that point on the the Warriors became the Warriors. And then it was like, no matter what, they, they just had this stranglehold over the Clippers 
and it, it you know mentally where it'd be close tough games and then all of a sudden golden state would just execute in the fourth quarter and uh, they, they'd beat the clippers and it, it's starting to kind of feel like that with, with this lakers nuggets matchup where yet again we see another game that goes down to crunch time and denver just out executes them over the last few minutes um so i don't know how much of it was that uh, but you know, I asked LeBron about uh, Austin spoke first. So Austin kind of mentioned that Denver kept running the same action that the Lakers were aware of. They just couldn't really stop it. So I asked LeBron essentially, um, you know, you guys, this has been a theme with you guys against Denver where you know what they're running and yet you guys still can't stop it. Like um, it, it, how, how do you kind of like learn from this experience and, and take the film from tonight, especially those last few minutes and apply it moving forward. And then he he kind of had this uh, remark about, uh, well, you know, really good teams, you know, run the same stuff in, in crunch time and they know what they're running. And, um, you know, and it was kind of, I took it as a little bit of a shot at the Lakers crunch time offense. And, um, you know, and he's kind of tends to, to take some of those sometimes. And um, he, he just wasn't in the best mood last night. And, uh, you know, we didn't ask him about the trade deadline, which uh, maybe was a mistake on our part, but we had already asked him about it, you know, several days in a row. And, and he was pretty clear that, you know, this is the team and, and uh, I'm riding with my guys, even if obviously on, on social media, he hasn't necessarily been as supportive uh, with his uh, you know, tweets and stuff. So, I think, I think there is a level of frustration because to LeBron, like he doesn't care about a 2029 first round pick, you know, to, to him, that, Nor that, that, that is a means to improve the roster. And again, we, we can debate whether a guy, like how much of an upgrade is a Royce O'Neal over a Tor, uh, Torian Prince, or even if it's maybe flipping Gabe and you're, you're giving the first and, and maybe Brooklyn would have been more open to that. Um, like, uh, you know, to, to LeBron, it's like, I, I want to maximize this season. I want the, like, even if the roster is 1% better, that's what I want. And, and that, that is how he views things at, at all times. So for him, um, you know, he wanted the Lakers to make a move. And I, I think them, it's tough for them to tell him we're standing pat and, and we're looking at the summer when he's going to be 40 at the end of the year. It's going to be year 22. Like th there's no assurances he's going to be healthy next season. There's no assurances AD is going to be healthy next season. So the Lakers are taking a calculated gamble here of, um, you know, I, I wrote about it at the end of my story. Like they've been pursuing a third star basically since the inception of LeBron and AD together. 2019, it was Kawhi Leonard. 2021, they went after several guys landed Russell Westbrook, uh, then quickly realized that was a disaster, pivoted to trying to get Kyrie Irving in 2022, and again at the 2023 deadline. And now in 2024, they're going after uh, another third star. So uh, they keep kind of kicking the can down the road in terms of the elusive third star that, that's going to be this, this ball handler that could take the pressure off LeBron and help run the, the offense in crunch time and, and this and that. But like, so far, that plan has not really worked. And in in the meantime, they've made a lot of mistakes uh, along the way with, with Alex Caruso and and uh, you know various different things. So uh, to me, I think LeBron is frustrated. Um, I don't know to like what extent and how that's going to affect him necessarily this summer. Uh, but I think based on his comments over the last few days, his actions over the last few days, and really kind of going back a week and a half here, um, it, it's clear he wanted them to do something. I think at some point he realized they weren't going to do something or weren't going to do something significant. And he's been a little uh, upset about it. The, 
It's funny because the one year that they failed to get a star, they were forced to sign a bunch of two-way role players, and then they promptly kicked everyone's ass and won the championship. But apparently no one was paying attention when that happened. Uh, I I had my eye on LeBron last night because I I was sitting there thinking, like, like he's got to be super annoyed. I thought his early game lack of aggression was like a clear sign that he was just kind of a little bit in a funk. He did get competitively engaged, and I thought he actually had an okay game. Definitely not the best that LeBron has been able to offer this season, but I thought he was all right. What do you have, like 25, 8, and 7 so, or something like that? He just walks into that. But I was actually... <laughs> Yeah, I know it's 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 ridiculous. But I, I was actually last night when we finished with our live show, I sat down and I uh, watched the post game press conference, and I heard your question, and I a hundred percent picked up on that where he was like, you know, the really good teams. You know, it's just like this, like this, like clear because it's funny because during the game, I was literally thinking, I was like, I think. I was like, I, I was literally thinking, I was like, it's on the table that he goes into this presser and goes like, Denver's just way better than us. You know, I, I literally thought it was on the table that he would go and say that almost as like a clear shot at the front office for not providing them with the horses. And for the record, like, and I said this on my show last night, put yourself in LeBron's shoes. Like he probably went into this training camp thinking, this is my last great chance to win a title. We just retained everybody from our Western Conference Finals run. We're young, we're athletic, like we don't have the specific need yet fixed because we couldn't get Bruce Brown. We lost him to the Indiana Pacers this summer, but we'll fix that at the deadline. This group should be able to carry us through regular season games. We'll we'll deal with it in February, and then we'll make a run at this thing. And it has been... I, I would imagine that he's had conversations behind the scenes with like his family and friends. Like, I cannot believe how this season has gone. I, and, and I wouldn't blame him for feeling that way because not only has it not amounted to regular season success... Uh, but like specific players within the uh, the Western Conference Finals run have not getting, gotten as much burn or opportunity as they did last year. The skill guards haven't played as well, which has been a big part of why they've struggled so much. And they didn't do anything at the deadline. And so, of course, he's annoyed. Like, how shitty would it be if they got it right just in time for him to turn 40 years old, like I mentioned earlier? And so I do sympathize with him. And again, I said this earlier, but it, it's the reality to me. Like the Lakers had a clear need that they identified in May. They had two opportunities to fix it, and they never did. And that's their job. That's their job. And and again, to me, it, I think one of the biggest core philosophies of the Laker front office that has to shift is the idea that star power is what wins. When you already have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the roster, there is a diminishing return there. It's like you want to know why they don't want to include Austin Reeves in any trades. It's because Austin Reeves, when he's your third best player, the gap isn't as big between him and some of the other guards around the league. Now, if he's your best player, yeah, you 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 need somebody with a little bit more athleticism and pop and firepower. But in that tertiary role, like it, like a guy like Austin's fine. What you need is the two way athletes at the two and three, and they just never were able to get on front of that uh, out in front of that. So. Uh, Bef- quickly before we move on, I, uh, I want to talk about this summer, but I have two like kind of rapid fire questions. Anybody else that they're specifically eyeing in the buyout market, maybe someone that hasn't been bought out yet. Is there anybody that they're like, man, if this guy comes available, we want him. I, I haven't heard any names, uh, Rob. So we, we asked Rob yesterday at the press conference, uh, what specifically are the needs you're looking at on the buyout market? He said, first, a ball handling guard. And second, if we can't get one of those, 
than just best player available. And even within that, I, I thought an interesting part of it was he said, you know, Gabe hasn't obviously, you know, we thought Gabe would be a great fit. He's only played five games. He hasn't been available. Um, so like it, it wasn't much, but, but even within that quote, it was kind of like, what's going on with Gabe? Like he's supposed to be reevaluated in, in early March and like, is he coming back? Like, so, so there's a lack of clarity there in terms of Gabe Vincent's future. Uh, but I think the fact that they're looking for another ball handler it's kind of revealing in and of itself of, um, you know, they, they might be pessimistic about Gabe's ability to ultimately contribute this season. So, um, I mean, maybe a, a guy like Robin Lopez, uh, you know, Bismack Biombo is a, a name they were looking at the, over the summer. They went with Jackson Hayes and Christian Wood over him, but he's another defensive big that I think could have some value, but maybe him or Robin Lopez is just a, a big body uh, to, to kind of throw at Jokic because mm -hmm. they don't really, that was another thing we kind of saw last night. Like, you know, Christian Wood and, and Jackson Hayes made some some nice plays, but like those guys can't guard Jokic in a, a seven game series. And if you're relying on just AD, LeBron, and Brewy, uh, we, we saw it. Like you can have some success with that, and, and you can keep the games close. But but ultimately, I, I still think they need another defensive minded big. Uh, so maybe it's you know, waving somebody, creating an, a, a second open roster spot, and signing a Dinwiddie and a Lowry and then going with another more defensive minded big. Um, I just don't know at this point who they'd be waving It probably have to be Christian or Jackson, but I don't know if one of those guys is really moving the needle more than those two. Mm -hmm. Jackson, I think has been playing really well as of late, just by his motor and athleticism and Christian Wood has been kind of trending downwards. So I could see maybe that'd be the direction they'd go. Uh, you had told me behind the scenes, some interesting, an interesting theory you had about, uh, Jared Vanderbilt's kind of like three to four week timeline. Do you, can you uh, let our audience know your theory about about what's going on with Vando? Yeah. So before the Lakers had the announcement that he was going to be reevaluated in three to four weeks, uh, I and others had reported that the, the everything we were hearing behind the scenes was Vando was done for the season, or, or that's at least the way it's trending. He's going to have season-ending surgery. Uh, then the Lakers apparently got some good news. They announced he's going to be reevaluated in three to four weeks. They, they don't need to have that season-ending surgery yet. Um, but then yesterday at the press conference, uh, Rob Palinka first said, "You know, we, we're hopeful Vando's coming back uh, as kind of you know in addition to the roster when he was kind of going through things." And then someone asked a follow-up question of, uh, you know, you mentioning hopeful for Vando, like it has he been ruled out for the, uh, or is he ruled out season ending surgery or like what's kind of the update there. And then what Rob was basically said, you know, when you have a guy recovering from an injury, um, you have to see how they recover first before you can really make a call on that. So, uh, we have not ruled out season ending surgery, uh, on that front. And, you know, we're, we're going to see kind of how the next few weeks go. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. Um, so, you know, I, I checked in with some people last night and, um, there continued to be some, uh, you know, internal pessimism about Vando's future. And, uh, remember it's not him returning in three to four weeks. It's him being reevaluated in three to four weeks. And as we've mm -hmm. seen with Gabe Vincent and Kendrick Nunn, like the, the Lakers are fine with kind of pushing back the timeline of, this guy will be reevaluated in another few weeks and another few weeks. And sometimes we don't even get an update on the projected timeline when we were supposed to get the update. So um, I, I think you know, the Lakers have no incentive to say Vando's out for the regular season right now. But uh, with that update coming around the trade deadline, um, I wouldn't have been surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a, a bit of a leverage tactic uh, with if, if Vando is out for the rest of the season, or at least there's that pessimism uh, and the team that comes out like that 
takes away some of your leverage in talks because teams would know, oh, the Lakers really need a wing. They're desperate. Uh, and, and they're desperate. So um, I, I think we'll see what happens with Vando, but that could be potentially a huge blow for this team, a season-altering blow because they don't have another guy that can do what he does. I thought he was really looking like the old Vando these last few weeks. Um, you know, he, he had that stretch there of multiple double-digit scoring games. I thought he was pivotal in that first half against Boston. Uh, so for them to... And that I don't know, entering that game, they were going to start Vando at small forward next to LeBron and AD and go back to that starting lineup. Then he uh, LeBron and AD get ruled out, and then he gets injured. So we were about to see the lineup that everybody had been clamoring for uh, for, for the last few weeks. And now I don't know if we'll see him again. So uh, it is a, a disappointing uh, turn of events for the Lakers. And, um, you know, again, he, he hasn't been ruled out yet. He, he hasn't had the surgery yet. So there is a possibility he comes back. Uh, but everything I'm hearing is pessimism as to him actually returning this season. And again, that would be a significant blow for LA. And I have had a foot injury before. And when you come back, there, I remember in non-conference play, my second year playing in college, like I was not good in non-conference play because I didn't trust it at all. I couldn't plant on it with it. I, I mean, I could, but like I never really pushed and made those like kind of like top tier effort in athleticism plays because of the fact that I, it, there's just like a, a, a multi-phase recovery from something like that. And like even just this season with his kind of Achilles thing or heel thing he was dealing with. He wasn't particularly good when he first came back. It took him a while to kind of get into uh, up to speed. So, like, I, I tend to think that counting on him to be available for a long playoff run is a is a, a you know kind of a fool's errand, if that makes sense. So, let's talk about the summer, and I, I want to talk about kind of the stuff you talked about in the piece first, and then we'll talk about the. Um, uh, my kind of working theory because I have a, a like a, a a specific idea in mind for what the Lakers should do. But the three names I think you had mentioned in your piece were it was Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, and Kyrie Irving, correct? Correct. Those yeah. the three. Yeah. So uh, of those three names mentioned, is there a name in that group that the Lakers actually feel like they could like pull off? Because I specifically am worried about their ability to get into a uh, a, a bidding war with teams that just have better assets to offer. And that that's certainly a factor, and and, and that's the the other part of this of um, you can frame it as well we're going to have these three picks and and now all of a sudden we can get into certain conversations and and you can get into those conversations but when it really comes down to some of the recent trades we've seen for stars and the the, the price is continually rising and several teams across the league having an army of assets like Lakers get into a, a bidding war with Oklahoma City Oklahoma City is going to win that bidding war every single time and, and there are several teams mm -hmm. that can outbid them. And granted, some of those teams are smaller market teams where maybe a star doesn't necessarily want to go. And we do see uh, stars tend to want to go to the bigger markets. It's just the reality of of the NBA. Uh, but even some of the teams, you know, Philly has uh, has a bunch of cap space this summer. Um, you know, they, they could get involved in things. New York is obviously uh, becoming a destination and uh, you know, they're putting together a, a team that looks like it, it might be able to make a, a deep playoff run. So th there are other Miami always looms as, as sort of this this team with a bunch of I mean, they have some young assets and Tyler Hero, um, you know, Hami Hakez now has become a, a clear asset. Uh, you know, Nikola Jovic, like th they have certain things that, that teams would want. So 
it's not just this clear cut and dry, like because the Lakers are willing to put three picks on the table, they're all of a sudden the front runner for all these guys. Like everyone, you know, for the most part wants to play for like Lakers are always on the list. At least when team, when a, a star, you know, submits the, the types of teams they'd be willing to play for. Uh, but they still have to outbid some of these teams and that's probably going to cost them Austin Reeves. Like that's kind of the other thing here is it's mm-hmm. on one hand, like the Lakers weren't willing to give up Austin Reeves at this deadline and people scoffed at the notion of, of them not wanting to give him up for anything below like an all-star level player. But now if you're going after the all-star level guys, you're putting Austin Reeves on the table and you're putting those three mm-hmm. picks, you're putting multiple pick swaps, you're putting second round picks. So, um, from my understanding, you know, I reported on Trey Young last year, uh, coming out of uh, the, the the playoff run, that Trey Young was someone to keep an eye on with the Lakers. There's the obvious clutch connection, uh, but but also he fits the mold of they've wanted a point guard, they've wanted a, a superstar level point guard who can run the offense, take some of the burden off LeBron, uh, you know, run pick and rolls with LeBron at the end of games, and, and just you know be a, a high level shot creator where the Lakers can kind of stagger it and have that guy run the offense when LeBron's off the floor, when AD's off the floor, and not really lose anything. So uh, to them, Trey uh, Young reaches that level. Uh, so I, I would put Trey, if I was ranking the three, I'd put Trey Young first, uh, I'd put Kyrie second, and I'd put Donovan Mitchell third. I think the price for Donovan is going to be really high. There's a lot of smoke with him going to one of the two New York teams, uh, be it the Knicks or the Nets. Uh, so I would still probably put the Lakers at best at third, in the pecking order for Donovan, uh, but maybe potentially even lower. Uh, and then Kyrie, I mean, they've done the dance now multiple times. We know LeBron is, a, is still a huge fan of Kyrie. He'd love for him to be in LA, uh, but that would require Dallas to to really, you know, I mean, they've been trending downward, although I really like what they did at the deadline. So that would require Dallas to flame out, you know, lose in the first round, not even make the playoffs, and then look at, you know, maybe we got to pivot, trade Kyrie, Lakers can enter and you know that's the destination he's had interest in previously. So um I would probably put Trey for I mean Atlanta was interested in in Austin Reeves, obviously. It was a player that they were fond of. I don't know if Austin Reeves plus three first gets you Trey Young, uh, but I think that one is probably the most realistic of the three options, then Kyrie, then Donovan. So before I give my idea, rapid fire. Are the Lakers just suddenly out on DeJounte Murray? Or is that a move they'd be willing to make again in the summer? I don't think they're completely out on him. But I think Atlanta wants the price to go up. And I don't think the Lakers want to pay more than they offered. So if the if the price is going to go up, then they're out at that price. Because this is what I keep coming back to. Because like I've heard uh, behind the scenes that, you know, obviously if Atlanta did pivot this summer that Trey Young and Clutch would be like, get me the hell out of here. You know what I mean? And so, like, I do think there's a version of this where where Trey Young becomes available. But to to the theme of this show, if the Lakers were to call up Atlanta this summer and be like, all right, three first-round picks, you know, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, whatever they got to do to match salaries, and they close that deal. Now I've got Trey Young. No assets, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and no damn players at the two and three that can defend and incredibly score on the other end of the floor. It's it 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 is a fundamental lack of understanding of what wins basketball games, and it, and it drives me completely insane. Because like to me, the move would be like circle back with Atlanta this summer, make a move like a two first round pick type of move for Dejounte Murray, 
and then use that other first round pick for a legitimate two-way starting level wing to play at the three. Because give me Austin, DeJounte Murray, and let's just call him Dorian Finney-Smith with LeBron James and Anthony Davis over Trey Young, veteran minimum, Trey, uh, veteran minimum, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, any day of the week. Any day of the week, I'd take that team. And so, like, I, I just want to see them... I want to see them approach this summer with the three draft picks, not as a means with which to bring in another star that will lead to the same problems that they've been dealing with, but rather find a way to actually bring the thing you need to win at the highest level in the NBA, which is just athletes on the perimeter that can defend and can dribble, shoot and pass like that. That is what they need. They've got to address it to me. Like I understand you need some sort of offensive firepower. I think that's been, made abundantly clear and to me like a guy like DeJounte Murray could really help you on that front but like I I think it'd be a big mistake for the Lakers to go all in on a star this summer I think they'd find themselves in a very similar predicament to where they are right now is that something you agree with or do you feel like going after a star is the right move I think it depends on the star but we we are talking about the perimeter defense and adding Trey Young isn't necessarily going to uh improve that situation i mean it's making it worse frankly uh you're going from Mm -hmm. d'angelo russell uh let's just say the point of attack defensively at point guard to trey young like that is a downgrade trey young is smaller and he's the worst defender uh uh you know i I know he's had you know i think he's tried a little bit more this season and and been a little bit more engaged at times but overall there's just a size limitation there uh and and a physicality limitation Mm -hmm. there that you're just always going to have um so and then, I mean, you can kind of pick apart any of those guys like Kyrie. I mean, there's all the questions off the court that he, he's been great this season, but this is like the longest stretch we've seen him uh, not cause any distractions. Uh, it, it almost feels like we're, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop at some point. Uh, and then with Donovan Mitchell, I, I think there's a level. I mean, he hasn't had that. Even Trey at least has had the the, the conference finals run where you can say like, you know, he, he was able to uh, be the best player at times in that Philly series. Lead a team. Lead a team to the conference finals. Like Donovan Mitchell hasn't had that type of run yet. Uh, if anything, he, he's been, I think, in my opinion, on more disappointing playoff teams rather than teams that have met or exceeded expectations. Like some of those Jazz teams, that Cleveland team, I think most people picked them over New York last postseason. They got their butts kicked uh, in that series. So like, to me, I think there are legitimate questions. And now, of course, Donovan isn't going to be your number one in LA, but theoretically, that third guy you bring in can help bridge the gap to that next era of Lakers basketball and be a player that can grow mm-hmm. with AD. So I think with all those three guys, uh, there, there are defensive questions for sure. And then there there are some just you know extra elements that you got to weigh in. So I'm with you. Like maybe I'm trying to think like maybe uh, D'Angelo opts in or you know exercises his player option uh then you can can i don't know the exact trade restrictions in terms of timeline of when he could be moved uh but you, you could trade him uh maybe package him with jhs maybe max and and you know a, a couple picks maybe you you have stronger protections on one pick like maybe that's something that they would consider for, for Dejounte. uh but i think they got to the point where they felt that whatever they were offering was more than enough uh, in terms of D'Lo versus DeJounte and the fact that Atlanta wasn't willing to do that and insisted on Austin or insisted on a second first round pick that to them was just a deal breaker at, at this point. So again, maybe you, they revisit things in the summer. We'll see how D'Lo performs the rest of the way. We'll see how the, the playoffs go if the Lakers make it. Uh, but I think as of now, for, from my understanding, 
they felt that the Jante price was going a little bit too high and they weren't willing to, to match that. So I don't know if that would change over the summer. My guess would be no, but um, I'm with you though. I think the three-star build, it just, I mean, it hasn't worked like that. They, they haven't been able to get that guy over the last few years. Uh, they, they did get one guy and it was a disaster. It's one of the worst trades in NBA history. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do, I do think like if there's like a way to get maybe a, a bigger shot creator, like a, a wing shot creator, and you're going more with like Austin at point or, or maybe like a, a mid-level exception guy at point guard, like I, I'm more open to that. But the three-star build with like a small guard who can't necessarily defend, uh, I, I have some some questions about that, uh, especially with the, the current personnel on the roster. Yeah, I, I like the idea in the long term of a Trey Young, Anthony Davis kind of foundation. That pick and roll is, but be I just crazy. think it would, uh, of course. But I, I think it would just, I just think it would take like a legit two to three years to actually surround those two guys with the type of two-way athletes that you need. And now we're talking about trading LeBron James. And it's like, that's like a, to, to me, I, I, I don't want to like remove Trey Young from the conversation entirely. Just to me, once you make a deal for Trey Young where you've thrown all your assets in, you're not going to be good enough the next year uh, because you're not good enough on the margins. And so that to me is more of like a, let's go into the next era of Lakers basketball thing. And maybe that's the direction they go, but like, Chances are, if you if you do something like that, like I I, I don't think LeBron uh, is young enough to actually help you capitalize on it by the time you get the the requisite talent around. Uh, but we I feel like we've complained long enough today, so uh, uh, we're gonna call it a night. Before we get out of here, Jovan, can you just kind of tell everybody about your article that you wrote last night, where they can find it, where they can find the rest of your work? Yeah, uh, so I, I wrote deep dive breakdown on the trade deadline, uh, all the intel that I've been gathering over the last few days, last few weeks. Um, one hilarious tidbit in there was Darvin Ham uh, pushing back against the notion of the Lakers trading Dorian Prince, <laughs> which I, I knew Laker fans were, were going to love that detail. Um, but I mean, again, he was one of the only expiring contracts that they could have put out there. And uh, ultimately, they, they chose not to move him. Um, so a, a bunch more details. We, we hit on most of it, but there were some other things in there um, that we weren't able to get into. Uh, and, and then at Yovan Buha on all social platforms, started creating some YouTube content. So I, I do have a Yovan Buha YouTube channel. been doing some some of the behind the scenes vlogs and, and different things I was posting on on TikTok and and, and on Twitter. Uh, I'm now doing it on YouTube in a little bit of a longer format. I'm able to get into some gameplay um, and you know, I'm filming during games now a little bit and uh, able to kind of do more in like two to three minutes versus like one minute. So uh, be sure to check that out as well. Jovan does great work. Make sure you guys get over there and check out and support his stuff. We are going to be done for the rest of the weekend, but we'll be back Monday with power rankings and some game breakdowns. As always, I appreciate you guys. And we will see you next time. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, 
and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.